0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how we are going to be talking a lot of different topics today. We're going to start with a discussion on the running backs in this draft. We're not going to have an opportunity really to dig into prospects after today because Thursday we're going to talk about final projections, final predictions. I have an article out today at Packer Report talking about some scenarios. We're going to talk about those scenarios on tomorrow's show as a way to preview what's going to happen Thursday night. And then Thursday night, we're going to have our Periscope show, our instant reaction to the first round. That will then be our Friday podcast. And then Friday night, we will have a Periscope with an instant reaction to the second and third round picks, assuming the Packers make those picks. whoever they pick. On day two, we will discuss, I assume they're going to take someone, unless they trade both of them to move up into the top of the draft, which is not entirely out of the question, I suppose. So we will do all of that. We are also going to talk today about the second part of our mock draft. We did part one yesterday. If you missed it, I I suggest you go back and and look at it. I tweeted it out in a thread. I will finish the thread uh, through part two today. And then we will finish on Thursday. The second part of our show will be dedicated to the end of that mock draft with the player that I pick for the Green Bay Packers in this scenario. We will also finish the show talking about O.J. Howard because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, in just bonkers day, they decided that Rob Gronkowski was going to be on their team. And I think more to the point, Rob Gronkowski decided he wanted to come back and play with Tom Brady. So the Patriots traded Rob Gronkowski to the Buccaneers. And this could potentially speed the trade of O.J. Howard. Maybe the Bucks decide they need to keep three tight ends. That seems pretty unlikely. They were already shopping, according uh, to some people who, who claim that the Bucs were already shopping him. Um, we'll, we'll see. This has been a rumor for a long time that the Bucs have not been happy with O.J. Howard. Bruce Arians has come out and said, you know, look, he's talented, but we haven't seen it on the field. And yeah, that only spurs these rumors further. So we're going to get into that a little bit later in the show. There is this question about what the Packers are going to do at running back because Aaron Jones is due a pretty significant contract assuming he stays even moderately healthy in 2020. Both he and Jamal Williams are up a year from now. So what is Green Bay going to do at the position? Matt LaFleur hinted in his Combine press conference that he'd like to, to make sure that this was more of a committee than it was last year. I think he wants to get a third running back that he has more confidence in, whether that's going to be Dexter Williams. It seems like it's not. I think he's going to get the opportunity to show it can be him. But it does seem likely that Green Bay is going to invest to some degree in someone who can be a more impactful player for this team, whether that's 2020, 2021, and beyond. And the good news for them is this is a terrific draft at the running back position. The, the receivers get all of the love in this draft, and rightfully so. It's an awesome receiver class. But this running back group, especially at the top, is really good, and there is some nice depth through the middle of it. I think starting on day two, I, I, don't, I don't know that we're going to see a running back go on the first. We may see one. I, I would be surprised, pretty surprised, frankly, if there were two. So now you're looking at day two. I think there could be three or four guys who go there. And even into day three, there are going to be guys in the fourth round, the fifth round, even the sixth round, who could be meaningful rotation players at the running back position. Um, That's just the, the quality of this draft. Where is Green Bay going to allocate resources here? That is the question that they have to answer, and it's the one that we're going to attempt to answer as well. So when you look at where the talent plateaus are here, and I think more importantly where the cliffs are, We think the receiver cliff is in the middle of day two. And the offensive tackle cliff probably comes in the first round. I think there are some quality players on day two. I really like some of the day two guys. But all of those guys have question marks in ways that some of these running backs don't. So you want to get that offensive tackle early. But day two is a reasonable spot to do it. Defensive line, the sweet spot is day two. I don't like this edge class really at all. So I think you wait until day three. You try and get someone like Tennessee's Darrell Henderson, someone like that. If Green Bay wants to get a backup edge, they can do that on day three. So if they want to get a running back, you're looking at 62, you're looking at 94, and then you're looking middle rounds, fourth round, fifth round. What is the option that they have at those particular spots? Remember, Jamal Williams, fourth round pick, Aaron Jones, fifth round pick. There are going to be opportunities to get some of these guys. So how high is too high? Well, I think that depends on what they do at 30. If they're able to get that receiver at 30, and it's someone that that they're excited about, they get Ayuk, they get Jalen Rager, they get Michael Pittman Jr., Justin Jefferson Falls, or they trade up for him, something like that. And they keep, somehow they keep, no matter what happens, somehow they keep their second and third round picks. If you get that guy at 30... You can sit there at 62 and say, okay, Jonathan Taylor, if he's there, bang. J.K. Dobbins, if he's there, bang. Someone like Clyde Edwards-Alaire, if he's there, bang. Cam Akers from Florida State, if he's there. Here's the the thing about Cam Akers. Physically, everything you want in a running back. Perfect body, build, athletic profile, one-cut runner, ideal fit for the Packers just didn't see enough on tape because that Florida State team was such a mess. He could be the best player at the position in this draft, and you might be able to get him in the second or third round. I mean, think about the position when that's the case. And so if you're the Packers... You can justify exerting that kind of capital because of what that running back means to this offense, because of how important it is to Matt LaFleur and how useful we saw Aaron Jones be in this scheme last year. Even if he's just a second running back, that's a really important player. Let's say they decide to pay Aaron Jones. In some ways, it's even more important to draft a running back, to protect that investment, to ease the burden on Aaron Jones, to make sure you're not wearing him out. If they want an Aaron Jones replacement, these guys are capable of doing it. It's the best of both worlds. You have someone who can come in right away and be an impact player for you and is a potential long-term solution. Someone like J.K. Dobbins, I mean, I'm watching him going, that's Aaron Jones with a little bit more juice. I mean, he runs like Aaron Jones. He plays like Aaron Jones. He moves like Aaron Jones. He is an ideal fit in this Matt LaFleur outside zone offense. Someone like Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who is this jitterbug back, reminds me of Brian Westbrook. Worst case scenario, he's James White, and you have a mismatch player who can go out and, and be on third and six, be on a linebacker and get you a first down. That's a really valuable player. And in if, if best case scenario, you've got maybe not a franchise running back, but someone who can, who can really be a versatile run pass player for you. And then in, the, in, in further down the list, Antonio Gibson from Memphis, Antonio Gibson, this is staggering to me. He averaged over 11 yards a carry. Well, he also averaged over eight yards after contact. Eight yards after contact. That was almost double second best in this class, Zach Moss. Almost double. You average 11 yards of carry, and eight of them are after contact. That's not your offense doing crazy things to scheme you up, you know, seams to run through. That's you being a dog. And that's Antonio Gibson, Darrington Evans, Joshua Kelly. There are a ton of interesting, versatile, and dynamic players. Guys who can take the top off a of defense in the run game. We talk about taping, taking the top off the defense as a receiver, but these guys, Cam Akers, 4-4 guy with a with a 10 yard split in the 90 plus percentile. J.K. Dobbins looks like a 4 4 guy in the open field. Jonathan Taylor, we know, is a 4-3 guy. Antonio Gibson is a 4-3 guy. These are home run hitters. These are guys who can fundamentally change the way defenses have to defend you because they can hit home runs anytime they touch the ball. They can go for 60. When you have a player on your team who can do that, defenses have to play you differently. And last year, Green Bay did not have enough of those players. You can never have too many. Last year, the Chiefs, they had a bunch of them. Travis Kelsey is that guy. Tyreek Hill is that guy. Sammy Watkins is that guy. Miko Hardman is that guy. Miko Hardman, not a great player. A nice gadget player, dangerous returner, end arounds, jet sweeps, go routes. He can take a slant. He's not, he's not going to play 50, 60, 70% of snaps. But the 35% of snaps he's out there, he has the defense scared. How many players does Green Bay have like that? There are, and I know this is weird for someone like me to say, someone who has said running back is the most replaceable position in sports. If you have guys who can break off chunk plays, who can hit home runs, anytime you touch the ball, that has value to this Packers offense or any offense. And if you want to be a home run hitter, there's no better place to do it than the U.S. Army. Whether your goal is to fight and cure diseases, develop technologies, or seek adventure across the globe, the Army is where all of that can happen and so much more. The Army is a team of millions of individuals working together to take on the most complex problems in the nation and the world and to win. Ask yourself who's your warrior and text ALPL to 462769 to find out. That's ALPL to 462769. Fresh and clean, so you can too. There is a light at the end of the tunnel, so treat yourself for making it through quarantine with the lawnmower 3.0. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code locked on at manscape.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the promo code locked on. All right, let's get to our mock draft. If you missed part one, you can go back and listen to the second half of yesterday's show. We left off with the New York Jets. The Cleveland Browns just took Tristan Wirfs, which leaves the top tier of the offensive tackle class more or less gone. Andrew Thomas, Jedrick Wills, Tristan Wirfs, those guys are a little bit separate from these other guys. Although I think Josh Jones is really, really good, and that is who I gave to the New York Jets Here. I understand that receiver is a big need for them. They also could use another pass rusher. They could use another cornerback. There isn't a pass rusher I love here. Not a cornerback I love here. And the receiver position, yeah, they could they could grab one here. And certainly there are guys that that are worth it. But here's the weird thing that the Jets have to deal with. Their best receiver is Jamison Crowder. He's a slot receiver. Justin Jefferson and Jerry Judy's best position in the NFL is in the slot. So while I think those guys are definitely better players than Crowder, do you have to remake your offense to make it work? Do they need to change positions to make it work? And while I am always the kind of guy that's going to say, look, put your most talented players on the field and figure it out, I don't think the difference in what the offense can be with Jones versus Jefferson or Judy is so big that you have to take a receiver. Plus, they have other picks. This is a deep receiver class, and this is not a one-year rebuild. They have plenty of time to get this worked out, at least with a new front office head. So you go Josh Jones at 11. That, by the way, takes him off the board for Green Bay at 30. He will not fall in this mock draft. All right, the Oakland Raiders now. They have needs at corner. They could use a receiver. Could they take a quarterback here? Do they love Jordan Love, no pun intended? If it's me, I am going Justin Jefferson from LSU. I think he's the second-best receiver in the draft. And I I love the pedigree, the age, the productivity, and he tested well to boot. So what more do you want? I mean, Mayock and Gruden last year drafted basically only guys who played in the college football playoff. That means Justin Jefferson, Jerry Judy right here, even – Henry Ruggs, they're all in play. And I do think Henry Ruggs is very much in play at this pick in real life. I think Jerry Judy is also in play at this pick in real life. Um, But for me, because I get to be in charge, I get to play Mayock, I'm taking Justin Jefferson. That leaves me with San Francisco at 13 to have a decision to make. Do you go corner? Do you go receiver? You know I don't care about finding a replacement for DeForest Buckner this early in the draft because if you've been listening to the show, you know I don't think there's a defensive lineman worth taking here. There is no Aaron Donald type. There is no Fletcher Cox type player or even a Kenny Clark type talent in this draft. So, okay, let's go to these other positions. Could you take someone like C.J. Henderson or Travon Diggs here? Sure you could. Jerry Judy is just better. He is the Emmanuel Sanders that this team is looking for. Emmanuel Sanders was one of the players that I compared Jerry Judy to in my pre-draft work. And to put him on a team that already knew how to deploy Emmanuel Sanders makes perfect sense. I know it's not the the, the ideal situation for backer fans who understand that Green Bay, if they want to beat the 49ers, are now going to have to cover someone like Debo Samuel, George Kittle, and now Jerry Judy, but clearly. That means it makes sense for the 49ers to do. At 14, Tampa Bay, now with Rob Gronkowski. Luckily, uh, this selection does not impact uh, that trade, or or I guess the other way around. The trade does not impact this selection. I think Tampa Bay needs to make sure that Tom Brady is protected. It seems like he's going to be the quarterback for more than just 2020, so the fact that Ezra Cleveland is not ideally suited to come in right away, needs to get a little bit stronger, needs to clean up some of his technique stuff. I'm happy to take him here. And I'll be the outlier, and that's fine. I think he's going to go in this range, by the way. I think he's going to go in the in the teens. Not just top 25. I think he goes top 20. This is by no means a reach. Now, at 15, Denver loves Henry Ruggs. I don't. But... I can I can still make them happy because Jalen Rager fine with me here. Jalen Rager at 15 to Denver, put him next to Cortland Sutton. Let those two guys play off each other. You can get the ball to Rager underneath. You can get him down the field. They they're so complementary because they can do such different kinds of things. You know, Jalen Rager in in a best case scenario has that Stefan Diggs type potential. Well, Emmanuel Sanders. Someone who can win with his route running, who can win with the ball in his hands, and who can win deep. That's Jalen Rager. So Corlin Sutton has already played with a guy like Rager before. Only Rager is just entering his prime, whereas Emmanuel Sanders is coming out of his. It sounds like the Falcons want to move up. So maybe we needed to have some sort of trade to build that in here. But if I'm the Falcons, I'm not moving up because I don't think there's a guy to move up for. They need help on the defensive side of the ball. And if they want to move into the top 10, I don't really know who they're going to get. I mean, are they going to move up to try and get Isaiah Simmons? Are they going to move up for a cornerback? It sounds like they're going to move up for a cornerback. I wouldn't. I just wouldn't. I don't think C.J. Henderson is worth moving up for. In fact, I don't even think he's the second-best corner in this draft. I think it's Trevon Diggs. And so at 16, I can stick and pick. And I think he's a good fit for what they're going to do in Atlanta. I think he can be a good fit regardless of who the defensive coach is there. I think he can play zone. I think he can play man. So that versatility means he is someone who can work not only in what they're doing now with Dan Quinn, but if Dan Quinn is not the coach in a year or two, I think he can fit into whatever system they're looking at. All right, next. At 17, the Dallas Cowboys. I had some trouble here because... I don't think there's a cornerback worth taking. I don't think there's an interior defender worth taking. Uh, and I think the best pass rusher on the board, which is something that I think Dallas could use, is Zach Bond. And while he is not a 4'3 DE and they have some linebackers already that are going to play off the ball, guys like Leighton Van Der Esch, guys like Jalen Smith. You put these three guys together, let Zach Bond rush the passer on third downs, and I think you've got potentially the best linebacker group in football. So I, I think you're going to you're gonna see someone who really surprises people with his ability to play off the ball in Zach Bond, but he can hunt quarterbacks. And that's what Dallas in this scenario is really getting him to do. All right, we get our first Miami double dip. So with the first pick, I had Miami trade up to get Justin Herbert. And they only had to give up 5-39 and 39 to do it, which is great because it means they get to keep their other first-round picks. So you get Justin Herbert. Now, you know, you can get a pass rusher if you want one. I don't love the options here. You could get an offensive tackle if you want one. I don't love the options here. I'm not a big Makai Becton fan. So why not get Justin Herbert some weapons? And not just any kind of weapon. How about a big physical weapon, someone who can win at the catch point to go along with Devontae Parker, who is looking like and really came on in the second half of the year is looking like someone who can win all over the field. So I love this for the Dolphins. I think he's a really good kid, which means he matches with Brian Flores and and what they want to be. You give him a huge catch radius to go with Justin Herbert, who is not the most accurate quarterback in the world. And I think you can really have something here. Another double dip. The Vegas Raiders get to go again. So after taking Justin Jefferson, how about going with another slot player, but this time a guy who plays on defense, Antoine Winfield. He can play corner. He can play safety. You can put him a little bit of everywhere, and he makes your defense better. This is a Raiders pick in the modern sense of the term. Someone like Mike Mayak and John Gruden are going to love that Antoine Winfield is a former NFL player. John Gruden coached against Antoine Winfield when Antoine Winfield was playing. That kind of playmaking ability, they're going to love. Mike Mack, a former DB. So I think this is is a a really great fit for them. And then the Jacksonville Jaguars at 20. This is a little bit of a wild card pick, but after going CeeDee Lamb in the first round to help out Gardner Minshew, why not take a player who can be Your quarterback of the future, if not your quarterback of right now, Jordan Love at 20. I wanted to get him in there earlier, but I just don't see a spot for him. I don't think the Raiders are going to go that route. Miami already has their quarterback. I can't see someone like Denver, Atlanta, Dallas, any of those teams doing it. So he fell a little bit, probably further than he will on draft night, though. Peter King said Jordan Love's best position, most likely position, is at 62 to Green Bay. So you know, We'll see what his, his stock looks like on Thursday. I love this fit because he doesn't have to play in year one. He doesn't have to play in 2020. And then you, you, you can, if you're front, the front office, if you're management, you can decide, okay, let's bring in a new coach. Let's figure this all out. And then you have this appealing, young, moldable quarterback to say, hey, coach, come and and coach our guy Jordan Love. You know he's big. You know he's talented. You know he can win off-platform. So, don't you want to come coach this guy?
0: Matt Williamson brings the scout's perspective to the Locked On NFL podcast.
1: We got to talk 2018 quarterbacks. Josh Allen has the best quarterback record aside from Lamar Jackson, but the lowest completion percentage, other than Josh Rosen. He's just been a complete garbage for the most part when he's been allowed to play.
0: Yeah, so throw a couple nuggets out on Allen.
1: And I know he's a lot bigger
0: Subscribe or follow today wherever you get your podcasts.
1: All right, I want to finish up here with a discussion about the OJ Howard situation. So the Buccaneers make this move for Rob Gronkowski. Does this speed the trade for OJ Howard? Yeah, I think it does. But let's start here. Do the Packers need to trade for OJ Howard? No, they don't need to do that. First of all, you know, O.J. Howard is an intriguing physical specimen. He's a very talented player. Very talented. Talented is unrealized potential. And that's what he is. Even after four years in the NFL, are we going to know what he is? Because through three, we don't. And he's coming into the fourth year. If the Buccaneers trade him, that fifth-year option is out the window. It is not something Green Bay gets to exercise. So you're really only getting him for that one year. Is that worth a top-hundred pick? To me, unless you think you're going to re-sign him, no. And I would rather not give up the assets and roll with Jay Sternberger and Mercedes Lewis and Big Bob Tanyan and go the day three route. Now, if it looks like what you can do is give up, let's say you you go to Tampa and you say, okay, here's a third for Howard and a fourth, and it's a pick swap. Or a third and a sixth for Howard and a fourth. Or a four and a sixth for Howard and a seventh. Something like that. Because the Hayden Hurst deal, remember, was Hurst and a fourth for a second and a fifth. So it nets out as as sort of a late day two type value. Well, Hayden Hurst has two years left on his deal. So that extra, de- that extra year is probably worth about a round of value. So that means a fourth round pick. Now Green Bay's fourth is late, you know, 130s. So it's practically a fifth-round pick. Maybe have to get a little bit more aggressive than that. That's why the pick swap idea is something that I think is worth considering. If you if you go day three pick, even if you go fourth and stuff, and you only keep Howard for a year, this is what the Patriots do all the time. You only keep Howard for a year, and then you get the comp pick for him, and then you have an extra pick to play with. Green Bay's probably going to get some comp picks in 2021 anyway from the Brian Bulaga and Blake Martinez deals, from the Kyler Fackrell deals. So they're going to have draft capital to play with and trade around next year as well. But I don't think the Packers need to make that deal. I don't think a tight end, even someone as talented as O.J. Howard, is going to move the needle in the way that, that some fans seem to think it will. I think if you focus your resources on receiver – you don't know, say you can get one early and then in the fourth, that same pick, you can get someone like John Hightower or you can get Devin DuVernay or Antonio Gibson happens to be there. Is that a better use of your resources than one year of OJ Howard or a year of OJ Howard and then a massive contract? I mean, he's going to want, as a former first round pick, especially if he has a good year, he's going to want a big deal. Can Green Bay afford to justify that cost? That's why I think the deal is. If you can get him for a day three pick, then you can let him come play for a year. If he's awesome, then maybe you do pay him because he was awesome. And if he is anything less than, than all pro caliber, pro bowl caliber, you let him walk, you take the comp pick, and you move forward. I think that's a reasonable way to do business on this. All right, we're going to come back tomorrow, preview the NFL draft first round. We will finish Part 3 of our Mock Draft series. We will open the show with a discussion around the likely scenarios for the Green Bay Packers. How they're going to approach the first round. What that means for Day 2. And remember, Periscope after the draft. As soon as the draft is over, we will go live on Periscope. Discuss what happened with Green Bay. And figure out where they go from that point. Friday as well. Live after show on Periscope. Come have some fun, pour some tequila, and and let's enjoy the NFL draft. It might be the last live sports we have for months. If you want to follow me on Twitter, that's the easiest way to get to Periscope, but you can also go on Periscope, follow me there, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnPackers, like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever You find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. You know it. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers.